Hey there, folks. Before we get started, how about a special... I got nothing. The world's over. What do you want me to say in this opening buffer? I don't have anything to plug. Go buy Modern Mail. Go buy it. Go listen to it. Go rewatch it. Send it to somebody that hasn't watched it. Why don't you go into the comments, hunt down somebody that left a bad one, and find out their identity. I don't know. I got nothing to plug. Uh, I hope you're doing well, and I hope there isn't a heat wave where you are. Where I am, there is. I'll talk about that later. But other than that, keep doing you. If you'd like uh, to support what I do, go uh, subscribe on Instagram. And then look into membership program. And then follow me on all the social medias. And then once this is over, I'm going to come to your town. That sounds like a threat. And I definitely didn't mean it like a threat. I mean I'm going to come to your town to perform. I wrote a list last night, a couple White Claws deep, of all the cities I have yet to perform in or haven't performed in in a while. And it's almost like a vision board of when this is going to be over. When will it? I don't know. Positivity. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, modern mail, blah, 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 blah. Hope you're well. Hit the music. And let's do this thing. This week in Zoltan. Action. Yeah. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. Welcome to This Week in Zoltan. It is episode 303 coming at you. We took a week off last week. Why? Because nothing happened. A week of nothing. I mean, stuff happened, but it's nothing worth talking about. I can't talk about it. I can't. I'm not allowed. Because some of it was political. Some of it wasn't political. But then people who commented on it are political pundits. And I made fun of their comments. And then that means it's political. That's the world we live in. Everything's uh, the opposite of hunky-dory. <laughs> I don't. I, somehow I became a kindergarten teacher from the 90s. Because I feel like that's what my kindergarten teacher... Uh, said all the time. Oh, can I? Here's a random story that I'm gonna pop in for you. Uh, my first teacher uh, in kindergarten, uh, Mrs. Wilson. She's a wonderful lady, a wonderful woman. Uh, she got married halfway through the school year, and so for the second half of her school of of the school year, she changed her name to her new married name, which was Seaman, S-E-M-E-N. Her name was Mrs. Seaman. Which, I never realized what kind of commitment it was to marry someone and take their name until I got to the fifth grade and then I remembered that I had a kindergarten teacher named Mrs. Seaman. Because that's capping your career. Once you take the name Seaman, you can't, are not allowed, you can't teach anything above second grade. I don't even know if you can teach second grade. Kids have iPhones now. You probably can't teach anymore. You can't be outside. You can't have a Twitter handle. You can't be on Instagram, TikTok. Are you serious? You'll be banned. Nothing. I can't believe she took the name. She was a wonderful woman. I liked her as Mrs. Wilson. I was actually offended when she changed her name because not for any other reason than I was six or five and I knew her as Mrs. Wilson. And then she comes in, she's like, I'm married, and we all went, congratulations! She's like, my name's Mrs. Seaman now. And we're like, we don't know, we don't know what that means, but we don't like the sound of it. We don't like the sound of it. That's love, right there. 
Can you imagine that conversation? Her fiance is like, listen, I get it. You don't have to take my name. And she's like, I look, I want to be in a traditional marriage and I'm taking your last name. And he's like, are you sure? Because I was actually thinking of changing it. How did that guy not change his name? How did that guy make it to however old he was to where he even got married? How do you not change that? Dude, if my name was Seaman, I would be Googling how to legally change that by the time I hit the third grade. By the time I hit third grade, I'd be like, Mom, we got to do something. Listen, I know this is like I'm the last dude in the lineage to keep this name going, but I don't think this name's supposed to be passed on. I think this name should be taken out back, shot in the back of the head, and buried under a tree. Why? Because my last name is Seaman. That's how I'm starting the podcast. That was a very true story. That was a 100% true story. I hope she's doing well, and I guarantee you she's no longer teaching. She was very young when she was my teacher. She had to have been in her 20s. So... Age-wise, she should still be teaching, right? Yes, maybe. I think. She should, but she isn't. She's banned. She banned herself. I hope she just changed her name. (laughs) I hope. You know? Or the marriage could be over. Ah, why, why? See? That's the times we're living in. That's why my mind went to negativity. Oh, the relationship's over. No, the relationship's doing great. Her teaching career's still intact. And none of the kids that are five years old have any idea what that word is. And they give her the utmost respect. That's what we're going on. That's what I'm keeping it to. No, I don't know her. I should follow up. How hard could she be to find? Seriously. I don't want to Google her. I don't want to Google that word. Because then if I Google that word, do you have any idea what the ads on Instagram are going to be about? Get yourself a blue chew, or I don't know. What are the semen-related products? <laughs> Horrible. Welcome to the show. Uh, this is episode 303, like I said, and coming at you from the living room. It is uh, Tuesday in the afternoon by 38 minutes. It's Tuesday, October, August, October. I wish it was October. Tuesday, August 25th. It's 12.38 p.m., and we are in month five or six of the lockdown pandemic. Is it a lockdown? I don't know. I mean, it's a lockdown in my career. I can't go do anything. Uh, but is it a lockdown? Everything seems the same outside. That's what it seems like. Honestly, if you walk down any neighborhood in San Diego, it just looks like the heat wave got so bad that they had to move restaurants outside. Like, if you took video of my neighborhood or any other neighborhood in San Diego, you wouldn't think there was a pandemic or a lockdown. You would just think, oh, man, there was such a wicked heat wave. All the restaurants and bars had to move outside. Oh, and the sun must be so bad, people are covering their lips because their face can barely take the heat, but their lips are drying out and and bursting into fireballs because of the heat wave. That's all it looks like out there. And that's what's going on. There's a massive heat wave. Massive. It's hot. You know, it's hard to describe a heat wave other than it's hot. I don't even like talking about it because it makes it real. But it's one of those things you can't fake. You know, hot is hot. I remember all the years I grew up without air conditioning. My mom would tell me, you know how to cool yourself down. You have to think cold. You have to think. She would tell me in her thick Hungarian accent. She's like, Fiam. 
you have to think. I can't do the accent. You got it. I'm not in accent mode. I'm a terrible accent guy. But she's like, you have to think cold. Think of an iceberg. Think of sledding. Think of a snow cone. Think of ice cream. And I'm like, you're just making me hungry. And she's like, just think of cold. Think of being blistering cold. Think of frostbite. Think of snowmen. Think of like an icicle hanging off the roof. And then you hit it. And then it hits your friend in the eye. And you can't be friends with that person anymore. And I might be going to prison. Think of that. And I'm like, what are you doing to me right now? That never worked. That doesn't work. Why? Because hot is hot. That's why if you, if you like put lobsters in boiling water, you can't just be like, think cold, man. It's up here. You're not boiling. No, you're not turning fluffy, white, pink, and delicious. It's, it's perfectly okay. Just be positive. There's sweat rolling down. I can feel it off my ribs. I absolutely hate it. I am so not a fan. Um, but yeah, there's been a, a massive heat wave. They had, uh, I think Palm Springs hit 130, or Death Valley did. I don't know. Here in San Diego, we haven't hit 130. I, I think parts have hit 100 degrees here and there, but it's the humidity that's changing. Because I, there was one day I was in here sweating, and I was trying to figure out how I could kill myself in my house because it was so hot. And I, I, I went to go make an Instagram video. How many times does an Instagram story talk someone out of putting their head in the oven? Because they're like, why don't I just document my miserability? Miserability? That's going to be a word I'm going to have to Google that I'm sure won't be a word. But how many times has someone been on the ledge about to take a, take a dive into a bathtub with a toaster... But then like, oh, maybe I'll just document my depression on Instagram. And then after the video, it takes a while to upload. And then it doesn't upload. Then you accidentally delete it. So then you have to redo it. Before you know it, your mind's been taken elsewhere. Now you're mad at technology. And you don't even want to off yourself anymore. How many times has that happened? Does anyone talk about the positivity of technology in defeating depression? I don't think that gets brought up enough. We just did it. And by we, I mean me and that painting of my face over my shoulder. Perfect place to cut right there. That's going to make an excellent YouTube video. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's just been ridiculously hot. And it's the humidity, really. Because I'm Googling where I was going to make an Instagram story because I was miserable. And then they have the thing where you can put the temperature into your story. And the temperature was only like 85, which isn't horrible. Uh, but the humidity's through the roof, so it feels like 95. And then when it's 90, it feels like 100 and death. And all you want to do is get out of your skin. I remember I worked out and I was pouring sweat. And then I had to run to a show. So I hop in the shower. I take like a five minute cold shower. Soak myself up, do the whole thing, get out, dry myself off and immediately sweaty again. And it reminds me of living in Pittsburgh. I, I, I spent the first for almost five years of my time in the United States, my mom and I lived in Pittsburgh, and I remember how brutal those summers were, where it wasn't a fun hot. It was a wet, sticky, ugh, hot. That's where racism comes from. That ugh. Racism always spikes in the summer, because everyone's, ugh. it's there. That's why you're going to see a spike in it. We should still actively fight it, but we should acknowledge where it's coming from. Some people have racism in their heart, and some people are just stuck in humidity. And that's what it is. I don't think they mean it. They should still be corrected, 
but I don't know if they mean it. It's just been ridiculously uncomfortable. The things that have kept me through are my baby pool. Emma got me a baby pool, so I've been out there on a daily basis uh, drinking White Claws, which, you know, I'm sure my neighbors look down and they just see me in a baby pool on a Tuesday with a White Claw, and I bet they go, that's not what we expected the end of the world to look like. Because believe you me, this is some form of the end of the world. And in all the movies, there's like, you know, hellfire and brimstone. And part of California is on fire. But for the most part, the apocalypse is supposed to be very quick and sudden and savage and destructive. And my neighbors are just looking out their window seeing a 33-year-old man in a baby pool with a white claw on a Tuesday afternoon going, Oh, it's more of a slow burn. That's what the end of the world is. It's more of a creep up on you. And it's going to take a minute. That's where it's been. That's what we've been doing. Just biding our time, picking out things on Netflix. And it's so hard to pick something out on Netflix. I read the description and it sounds amazing. And then I watch the trailer and it looks amazing. And then I watch the thing. And ten minutes in, I'm like, you lied to me. You lied to me. None of these things are happening. Well... I mean, these things are happening. The things you described in the description are happening on my television, but it's not being done well. Who are these actors? Why am I reading? Why didn't you tell me this movie was French? Why is every piece of content on Netflix uh, described as irreverent? Go, if you haven't noticed. Every other show, pretty much. 70... Now I'm gonna go 90% of the content on on inst on inst YouTube, Netflix. Excuse me, I'm about to have a stroke right here on this camera. Uh, every piece of content on Netflix is described as irreverent. It'll be like romantic, funny, irreverent, suspense, murder, irreverent, hilarious, side slapping, side slapping, slapstick, irreverent. Everything's irreverent. I don't even know what that word means. Maybe everything is irreverent. But the, Netflix is overusing irreverent to describe all their content the way the rest of us are using the word vibe to describe everything. So I, I think the person at Netflix that gets to write out what categories certain content goes into is just us. It's just some dumb millennial calling everything a vibe. Oh, it's got an irreverent vibe to it. Does it does it really? Is that a fact? I described an avocado yesterday as of it had an uh, it had a summery vibe to it. That's what I said. I should have jumped off a cliff then. That was that's perfect last words for this era. What was Zoltan's last words? He said this avocado had a summery vibe to it. Oh yeah? And then what did he do? He made a beeline for the bay and was quickly stuffing rocks and heavy objects in his pocket and dove off the deck. And that was the last we saw of him. Stop describing everything as irreverent, Netflix. I don't know what that means. And you might be right, but I doubt you are. How can everything on Netflix be described in the comedy specials, murder documentaries, pedophile things, uh... Shows about, I think I just described everything on Netflix. Love stories, football documentaries, everything's irreverent. What does irreverent mean? I, I gotta look it up. All this talking about it. Why don't we do something about it? Rev. 
watch me not spell it right either. Irreverent, showing a lack of respect for people or things that are generally taken seriously. That's actually a perfect, I'm, I, wow. I take it back. I take it back, Netflix. Irreverent is a perfect word for most of the content you put up. Most of the content you put up does show a serious lack of respect for people or things that are generally taken seriously. That's every... That's everything on there. Every murder documentary, murders are usually taken seriously, but now families around the world are gathering together on their living room couches with popcorn going, put on the murder. We used to take that seriously. We used to go, there's a murderer on the loose. We better go get him. But now we just go, man, I can't wait for the Netflix documentary to come out because my family needs a movie night. Get together and watch this... <laughs> incredible lack of a respect for a loss of life let's watch that or pedophile documentaries we're all on board with being against pedophiles all right even pedophiles publicly are against pedophiles and then we find out later they were doing the thing that we're very much against but as much as we're against them they put a new pedophile documentary up on netflix and we're like gather the children call grandma i'm taking a day off from zoom work we are watching these pedophiles. Irreverent is perfect, actually, Netflix. I take away everything I just said. I should have Googled that before I started recording. But that uh, that would defeat the purpose of this podcast. <laughs> it's all about being uninformed. And I am very much that. This one's not on Netflix, but I was watching Handsmaid's, Handsmaid's Tale. Handsmade Tale. Hands, hand, handmaid's Tale. Ha I'll Google that one too. Handmaid's Tale. Handmaid's Tale, right? Handmaid's. The Handmaid's Tale. Z Got it. I was watching that, which, uh, if there was ever a series not to start watching during the pandemic. Uh, and the lockdown and the and the racial wars and the upcoming presidential election. I think it's this. I think stay away from Handmaid's Tale. Handmaid's the show I'm talking about. Stay away from this damn. It will not make you feel better, but you won't be able to turn it off. Watching that show is like being in a bad relationship where you don't end it because you're just like, I just want to know what happens tomorrow. I mean, every day's been worse than the day before, and there seems to be no light at the end of the tunnel, but I just have to see what happens next, because I feel like this is a once-in-a-lifetime experience. That's what the show The Handmaid's Tale is all about. Hey, Handmaid's, you know it. I've already said it enough to where you know what we're talking about. It is horrible. It starts off horrible, and then it's still horrible, and we just started season two, epically horrible. It got worse. It got worse. It's like if you were put in a shark tank and then dumped into the ocean and you're surrounded by sharks and your oxygen tank's running out, but they're like, don't worry, we somehow coated the cage in gasoline and we also lit it on fire. Oh, and that cage you're in that's now on fire and you're running out of oxygen, the lock that's on it, we gave a key to one of the sharks. Yeah, the one shark with a thumb on his fin, he's getting into that cage He's getting at you, and guess what? He ain't scared of fire. 
that's what it's like watching Handsmaid Tales. Handsmaid's hand, the Handsmaid's Tale. That's what it's like. I have to keep looking at it. That's a, that's a horrible title. They should they should rename that series as uh, Things Get Worse. That's what the name of that series should be called. It should be called Things Get Worse. Because I, is there any other through line between all the episodes? Now, to be fair, I'm not done with the series. I think there's three seasons. I just started season two. But based on the 12 or so episodes I've watched, things get worse. And that's why I keep tuning in. I go, how does this get worse? And then I'm like, it does. And then I get sad. And then I go outside and I realize everyone has to eat outside and wear a mask and keep a distance and I can't perform at a comedy club and now I'm sad and then there's all this underlying like the government's gonna take over and kill everybody and enslave everybody and blah 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 and then I'm like watching the news and the news is like no 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 that is happening and I'm like (laughs) I don't wanna go to Canada but I might go to Canada and that's what the handsmaid's tale that's all it makes me feel. It makes me feel bad and sad all at the same time. And I, I choose to do it. I choose. I made choice. Freedom of choice. We got it. All the content on the world at, at my fingertips. Watch whatever I want, but I'm sucked in to this depressing storm of hellfire. And I can't turn it off. It's really good. It's a very good show. It's a very good show where nothing good ever happens. Nothing good ever happens. The evil people get meaner, and the people you're rooting for just keep getting their face dumped on. The It's like watching a character who can't walk down the street without a, the biggest bird flying over and just whack right into the face. Over and over again. Like, they're not even done wiping the first turn, and then there's a second. And you're like, is this real life? And then a third. And then you're like, there can't be more, and then she bursts into flames. And you're like, there's more. Incredibly entertaining, but not the time. You know when's a good time for that? On a, uh, If you ever get to go vacation to Disneyland. Like, you take your family, and you go to Disneyland, and you have the most magical 12 hours at the park that you could ever imagine. And you need to come back to the hotel room and somehow unwind and fall asleep. Put on an episode of The Handsmaid's Tales. Put your right out. I don't know what they... It would. That's exactly the antithesis that you need for the positive and joyful day you just had is hellfire and brimstone. Hand, the Handsmaid's Tale. I'll learn to say it eventually. I mean, I've made it into season two and I can't say it, so what does that really say for me? But I I know I'm sadder. I'm sadder for watching it. Who made it? I know it's based on a book. Who enjoyed that book? I'm sure it was a very popular book because it's good, but who sat there just reading and sobbing and sad and then living their life sad and like, I can't wait till I make this into a TV show? Because before I had to just imagine all the horrifying things that were going on in this book. But I can't wait till they put pictures to these horrific words. Because I'm going to watch all the seasons. How many seasons are there going to be? Is it like Lord of the Rings where there's like seven, eight thousand page books that need to be put out? 
Or is it kind of like, uh, what's that other one? With the Mockingjay? They did this one. Wasn't that like three books? And that was pretty good. I like that one. That one's more uplifting. That one, what, what's that one called? The, you know what I'm talking Jennifer Lawrence. She's got an arrow. And then the kids fight to the death. That one's a little uplifting because it gives them hope and you have a hero. This one, and that's why that's built for like young adults. Because young adults is where you want to start teaching our youth that life is sometimes unfair. But if you fight hard, you can persevere. And Handsmaid Tales is for adult adults that know that isn't true. And <laughs> sometimes you're just put in a turd of a situation and you're just trying to keep your hands clean. There's no hope in that show. And I'm still talking about it. That's how much of it I've watched. <laughs> I don't know what else to say about it. Uh, what else? Oh, there was a great... There's a... If you don't know... I Well, for those of you listening to the podcast, uh, I think you know how much I love Charles Bukowski. For those watching the video, it's a painting of my face. That's Charles Bukowski right there. I'm a big fan. I got into him about three years ago. I read all of his novels, got into his poetry. I dig the guy because he's, uh, I, I would call him optimistically negative. His writing is very negative, but there's a line of optimism in there where you're like, oh, that's, that's really beautiful and actually pretty optimistic. You just, you know, worded it so grimly, but there's really something beautiful in there which The Handsmaid's Tales does not have. doesn't have any of that. But um, there was a quote that someone wrote an article uh, about if Bukowski was alive today, what he would say. And the quote that they used, which is a quote that I often forget that he wrote, but it's, uh, intelligent people uh, second-guess themselves constantly, and the stupid people are just full of confidence. And, and they were saying, like, how much does that quote apply to today? And it does incredibly on either side so if you're watching this or listening to this and you're like he's talking about against me politically probably not but how many stupid people do you know personally or on tv full of confidence nope this is the answer this is the answer this is the answer and how many smart smart people aren't on tv i don't think they allow smart people on tv i don't think there's anyone that goes well perhaps but maybe if we um, I think the, if we give this a try, maybe this, then it's everyone's like, nope, this, this, that, and this, da, 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 da. And that's why we can't get along. And the world is on fire. I'm trying to be more optimistic, but there's a lot of people full of confidence. And they're dumb. And I'm not saying I'm not one of them. Before you go any further, I'm not saying... I'm one of the smart people that second-guess themselves. I do second-guess myself a lot, but that's because I have Google. And I have a thought, and then I Google it, and I find all the flaws in my thought, and I think I have an answer to something, and then I Google it, and I realize my answer was way off. I try to do the tip in my head at a restaurant. I Google it, use their tip calculator, realize I'm way off. I'm part of the dumb, but that uses Google. So I'm not picking on you. I'm not calling me smart or you stupid. I'm saying most of us are dumb. The person talking is not that smart. 
and the person listening on the other end, probably not that smart, unless you're a scientist or something, which if you are, what are you doing listening to this? Go listen to Neil deGrasse Tyson talk about the moon or something, you know? Enrich your brain. Don't dumb yourself down by listening to me. But it's very true. That's where our society is going. That seems to be the trajectory, which I know isn't very positive. Maybe it will end. Maybe scholastics and education will climb back up to the top where it used to be, but it doesn't seem like it's going that way. Right now, it seems like all the confident people that really sound like they believe what they're saying, they get, they get all the followers. And then all the people that are skeptical don't get listened to and are somehow called sheep, which is ironic. <laughs> We're all sheep, by the way. All of us. Unless, unless you're listening to this on a mountaintop and you, you're not in any group and you're somehow into yoga and you murder animals and eat meat, unless you're doing all of that, then you're a sheep. You live in a neighborhood, you have a job, you vote for somebody and you follow their followers, you're a, fo you're a sheep. You follow that way, you're a sheep. There's just two different shepherds. That's all. We're all sheep. There's just a couple different shepherds, and we picked our own. I don't know what that was supposed to mean, but it sounded prophetic. Prophetic? Pathetic. Prothetic. Can't talk today. I thought this French press would make me smarter. That's why I got the French press. Not only did I need coffee to take up more of my day, but I thought there would be this moment of like feeling educated you know feeling sophisticated because i'm chugging all this french coffee into my veins it's not happening i'm still the same guy i just have a bit of a caffeine headache that's the only difference i should leave that review on yelp um i did get to do this is positive uh people one of the beautiful things about this lockdown is people have been creative they've found a creative way to do things within our circumstances. I told you that the comedy clubs are shut down and even outdoor comedy got shut down via the clubs. But then we found a way around it. Just do it illegally at a different venue. So I did three outdoor shows uh, this past week. Uh, last Thursday, I did a show at the beach. We went to Mission Bay, this uh, UFC fighter or this person who's going to fight for the UFC. Her name's Danielle Wolf. Uh, good luck to her in a few weeks, by the way. Hope she wins. She's going to be on the Contender Series. She wanted to set up this show, and a bunch of people came out, like 200-something people at the beach, 8 o'clock. They had a stage and a fire pit and tiki torches. The tiki torches were a little much. It looked like we were trying to do a recreation of Charlottesville. Like, I didn't care for that. Uh, but it was fun. It was 250 people spaced out. And we got to do comedy. Uh, it was weird. It was outside. I was thinking about it before I went on stage, and I actually said this on stage. But if someone told me in January, hey, this summer you're going to do an outdoor show at the beach, I would have said, why? What What happened? Why Why do I... Did I get me too Like, why am I not allowed to perform indoors? What, what happened? And then cut to eight months later... I'm here in August, and then they're like, hey, would you like to do an outdoor show? I'm like, please, please, God, everything's been shut down. Let me, can I perform? I'll pay, I'll pay, I'll pay you to, perf let me, perf I just want to, I just want to do comedy. And, oh, how eight months will change everyone's outlook. 
Um, so we did the show at the beach. Uh, it was great. Fireworks went off. Like, uh, my back was to the water, and it was at the bay. So the other side of the bay, there's like an island over there, or the main, whatever. There's people, there's human, there's society on the other side, and someone was lighting off illegal fireworks, but there were good ones during my set, and I've never had my, my comedy interrupted by fireworks and it was behind me so i kind of felt like rick flair making a wrestlemania entrance it was kind of beautiful if i'm gonna be interrupted for anything i think illegal fireworks i'm all for it and then about five minutes after that two people just came kayaking right by this is like nine o'clock at night it's dark and they're just kayaking right by me and i'm like that's drug smugglers no one's kayaking no one's in a tandem kayak at 9 p.m at night on a thursday Unless they're bringing in black tar heroin from Mexicali. That's what that is. Beautiful. It was actually beautiful. If it wasn't for the pandemic, I wouldn't have had that experience. Because if there wasn't a lockdown, and if someone asked me, hey, do you want to show, do a show at the beach? I'd be like, hey, not to be a prima donna, but I've been doing comedy long enough where they let me do it indoors. So no thank you. And now I'm like, good God almighty, please let me perform outside. There's gonna be fireworks. I don't care. Just let me perform. There's uh, there's no, there's no money. I don't care. I just want to perform. Uh, there's gonna be people kayaking. You're gonna have to find parking. It's not gonna, it's not gonna be that great. I don't care. Just let me. The sound system won't be as vibrant as all the fire around you in the fire pits. I don't care. Just let me talk at strangers. Cause I'm a narcissist. Obviously. I, uh, beach show was a lot of fun, and then Friday, I performed at a comedy club in Escondido that's doing, Escondido that's doing an outdoor show, and they haven't been shut down yet, we had fun up there, uh, and then Saturday, I did a show in a backyard here in San Diego, and it was a bunch of 30-somethings in a nice backyard, it was well done, it was... They had a big backyard and a deck with a park behind them. So my backdrop was a park, and there's, like, kids throwing Frisbees back there while I'm talking about things they shouldn't be hearing. And it was fun. It was a bunch of, you know, late 20s, early 30s, laying out on the lawn. It looked like my, it looked like the closest I'll ever get to perform at Coachella. That was the audience. It looked like a bunch of people that love Coachella, and they've loved it for about 10 years. Like, the owner of the house, he was all hopped up on marching powder, and he's flying a drone over our heads while we're performing. I mean, this is the new normal. I think this time last year, I don't know where I was performing, but I was at a comedy club indoors, staying at a Marriott, coming in, performing for ticketed event purposes, and then afterwards taking pictures, and then going back to the hotel having drinks, watching TV, going on my phone, so I passed that out and did it again, and here we are a year later, and I'm in a guy's backyard, while he's, you know, he's been sniffing a little bit of the cocaine, and he's jacked up, having a great time, so is everybody else, I don't do that stuff, I was on regular pace, I was on two white claws, so if anything, a little bit slowed down, and they're on the marching powder, so they're just like, they're like, they're laughs, are preceding my punchlines. Like, they, they're like, I know where you're going. <laughs> like, they were just into it. And so the crowd was great, even though they were beating me to the punchlines because their brain was firing at all cylinders while I'm over there going, <laughs> I shouldn't have had these two white claws. 
and the owner of the house who booked us, he's back there flying a drone just over our heads, just wired. Just... And I'm like, this is comedy now. If you had told me in January that this is what I'd be doing for comedy in August, I wouldn't have believed you, or I would have thought that something horribly went wrong with my career, but only to find out something just horribly went wrong with the earth. It wasn't my fault, I don't think. But it was it was beautiful, I don't know, it was a beautiful way to end. Um, I think that's going to be the show this week. Let me give a special shout-out to all the people. This is what I want to do. I want to give a special shout out to all my cat person membership level people on YouTube. If uh, if you want to support me, go to YouTube, subscribe. If you want to support me further, go become a member of my page. It's like Patreon through YouTube. There's three different tiers. There's a buck ninety nine a month, four ninety nine a month, and nine ninety nine a month. Each tier has different perks. One of the perks is I give a shout out to all the special cat person level people, which is that's the nine ninety nine a month. Um, which I very much appreciate your support. I'm surprised how many people have signed up for that. That's that's crazy. Throwing isn't that what Netflix costs? Ten bucks a month, and you're throwing it at me. I thoroughly appreciate what you guys do, and uh, and yeah. So let me go here. Members, see all the members. Current level filter person so here are all the good people stephanie m julia avina isa don ellen chestnut planet molly renea spaulding dustin henson craig rapaport judy dean jonathan kinsey ema Catherine maya um elena 1960 marilyn rx diane norton laura rolfson annette um, Amari Garrison Quay, Sarah Zanto, Tat P, Alan Nugent, Laura Hornstra, and Danny Cox. Thank you for your continued support. And if you'd like to support, go to YouTube, hit the join button, and then all the information's there. As for that, I think that's going to be the show for this week. Stay safe, stay happy, uh, do what you can to kill time until the world goes back to normal. And if you do anything else, do not watch Handsmaid's Tale. It's, it's not for you, it's not for me. It's not for anybody during this, okay? It's for another time. It's for when things are better and we need to be sad. <laughs> That's what that show's for. Fair enough. Well, and that, and then for my listeners, uh, don't forget to leave a five-star review on iTunes and all that good stuff and a comment, and I'll be sure to read. But until then, ciao, ciao.